Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. This is episode 153. Thank you so much for listening. I want to tell you guys a little bit about our guest before we dive into the show and what we talked about today. Uh, our guest is an amazing endurance athlete, and she's going to talk about this project that she has coming up. She's going to be running across the country from Santa Monica Pier, just near LA, all the way to New York City. Um, with the goal of, of breaking some records, and we'll talk about that today. Um, some some things on depression. She's suffered from clinical depression, and she talks talks a little bit about that. What is the best trail when you visit her in Jackson Hole, Wyoming? We're going to talk about trails, um, some interesting qualities and, and things that she got from her parents growing up in the Midwest, uh, why her and her family moved from New Jersey um, after September 11. 2001. Um, what kind of led to that? She's going to give you guys a couple workouts or ideas of workouts that you can do that are kind of unique. Uh, talk about visualization a little bit, wh- what you can do every day to be as happy as possible, and just tons of other things that have to do with life and, and running and race directing and things that uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy. So hope you appreciate the show. And as always, I am, you are, and everyone is an athlete. Thanks a lot. Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Ginger, host, and we have an awesome guest today. She's very patient because the the Google or the, the Skype gods frowned upon us today and cut us off for the first half of the the first interview. But we're coming back at it. We have better things and more interesting things to say. And we're going to talk about some amazing things that she's doing in the world of ultra ultra endurance. Uh, before we do that, though, if you've never listened to Athlete on Fire, it's all about bridging the gap between amazing athletes. And the rest of us, and we're definitely going to do that today. Go check out some of the stuff at athleteonfire.com. And if you want to listen to it direct to your mobile device, uh, just type in Athlete on Fire on your iOS or Android device, and you can get the app and, and listen to this on your runs or at the gym or wherever you listen to it. Uh, so I'm going to introduce our guest today. It is Lisa Smith Batchin. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for the patience. I, you know, I was telling you off off air. This happens like once or twice a year. Technology doesn't agree, but I think we're back on track. And I'm excited to share your story. You know, we we started to get into it uh, a little bit, but we're going to really dive in. Um, and what I want to do is I want to learn a little bit about where you're from. Like, where did you grow up? What What was your family life like? Just take us back a bit. Well, I was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, um, and lived there until I was five years old. And then our parents moved us to a suburb of Chicago, Deerfield, Illinois, where I grew up all through high school, went to college at the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh. I have three older brothers, a younger sister. Um, My father passed away two years ago, unfortunately. I miss him dearly. And my mother is still living and doing really well. Pretty, you know, pretty amazing life where I, I grew up with uh, a lot of opportunities that at 55 years old, I can sit back and say, geez, how did my parents get us all these opportunities and do all the things I was able to do? Um, so, yeah, pretty good. My brothers all played ice hockey and football. My sister played so- uh, softball and basketball. And I was always more of the endurance type. I was a swimmer, a diver tried out for our cross-country and track team. I didn't make the team because they said I was too slow, but it seems like years later I proved that coach wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, uh, I think you ha- this is a little Michael Jordan story here. No, just kidding. So, I know. I've been compared to that Michael Jordan, but 
you know, God love him. Michael Jordan has made a lot of money in his sports. I don't think I've made much money in my sport, but that's okay. No, that's awesome. So, okay, t- take us back to to your childhood. What what was the relationship with your siblings? Were you guys all, all each other's supporters? Were you guys pretty tight? What was it like? You know, there was nothing to be competitive about. We were different kinds of athletes. You know, my brothers were, if they played on the same ice hockey team, of course they had to be there for each other. Um, there was really no competition as far as sport or academically like that growing up. Um, for the most part, we got along pretty well, of course, who, who, which siblings don't have their uh, differences and their stats and all kinds of things like that. But we um, we definitely grew up with a, a fortunate, you know, life. So what, what are a couple things, uh, as far as your personality is concerned, that your parents passed down that you're really grateful for? Um, I would say, you know, a lot of people might think it's not a great asset, but I do that, you know, I'm stubborn. Like, I mean, stubborn meaning that I'm going to get something done. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. They, they really instilled in us that, you know, work hard, play hard, and, you know, don't sit around waiting for things or people to come knocking on the door. Be the one to go out there and knock on the door. And, you know, so the hard work instillment, really has paid off in my life, and, and it still does. What did your parents do? Um, well, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but God, she had five kids. My <laughs> father, actually, my dad was the oldest of eight kids, and he grew up in a one-room house in Louisiana, believe it or not. My dad did not go past the fourth grade, but he ended up with an honorary college scholarship from the University of Louisiana and my dad went on to be the vice president of Beltone Electronics, Beltone Hearing Aids. Wow. Um, so really, really proof in the hard work ethic that, um, yeah, my dad, when he was in fourth grade, he was sent to work in a gas station in Vicksburg, Mississippi, where he would then work and send the money home. His mom died when he was very, really young, and being the oldest, his father needed his help. So that's what my dad did. And he worked for for many, many years, obviously, his way up and raising five kids. I mean, my dad actually, you know, had enough money saved to send five kids to college. Not that everybody went to college, but pretty miraculous that I had an opportunity to go to college that my parents actually paid for. Wow. Well, do you have a story uh, that you can think of um that involved your dad, you know, that has to do with what what your personality is like right now? Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, you know, my dad would get up. We we grew up on a lake, and my dad would get up and take me fishing, you know, most often. I used to love to fish and just be outside and do everything outside. I used to be, you know, my brothers could have cut the grass, but I was the one cutting the grass because I loved, I just loved anything that has to do with hard work and being outside. Um, my dad and I would be out working in the garden and doing, you know, hard work. And I might kick my toe on a rock or something and be barefoot and say, oh, my toe hurts, my toe hurts. And he'd say, gal, you've got to be tough. you just got to toughen up. And I'd think, yeah, right. You know, and by the time now, like I'm 55, and I could look at my dad and say, dad, am I tough enough? He would look at me and say, yep, yeah, yeah, yes, you are. What? So, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I feel like that was a great thing to instill 
you know, in me that, you know, hard work, work hard, play hard, and follow through. And that um, that's what he did, and that's what my parents, you know, taught me. It makes me about cry because I really miss my dad a lot, obviously. Yeah. Um, What's yeah, his name? It's not easy to lose, lose a parent. Uh, David Smith. David Smith. No. Yeah, you know, I can't imagine that would ever get easy. But um, the, just those memories. Yeah. You know, I I love hearing the memories of that people have with their with their parents, especially when they're close. You know, I think that's important for sure. Yeah. What, did your dad? Yeah. Well, I'm. I was. Uh, I was there when my dad took his last breath holding his hand, so I feel that I'm pretty fortunate to have had that opportunity. Um. Did Did he run? No. No. My dad didn't run. He yeah. didn't run, but my my dad was part Indian. He was Chakwa Indian, and he swears that's where I got my, you know, my endurance. And it wasn't his endurance; really was in hard work. Yeah, you know, working outside. He'd be out there in the garden at four o'clock in the morning with a big, you know, huge light shining on the garden, so that he could be out there working. There was not really a time that he enjoyed being inside. He wanted to be outside all day, and that's pretty much what we did growing up. Oh, man. How, how old was your dad? How old was I when my dad died? Yeah, No, how old was your dad when he passed away? Oh, he was 83, and it's August. It'll be two years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, anyway, wow. but it, yeah, I'm so grateful that I did have such a great relationship with him, and that's it's important for people in life to, you know, embrace it and realize that you know, every day is a gift. Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, man, because there come a day it's not going to be here. Yep, it's it's crazy how how quick this stuff happens <laughs> for real. So okay, so the, we're we're talking Midwest. You guys were in Illinois, right? Is that where your your childhood was? Yep. Okay. Suburb of Chicago. So you know, I, li- I live in Colorado. Um, in a suburb of Denver, I'm a huge outdoorsman. I, I'm out all the time. I, my kids are out with me. My wife's a huge outdoors person. Uh, we love it out here. And, and I meet so many Midwesterners out here. Um, so kind of tell tell us how you got to to Wyoming, to Jackson, and uh, kind of what that, that story looks like. Well, I was living in New Jersey with my husband, Jay. Um, and we I had been there for 18 years where I was a personal trainer, massage therapist, and did a ton of coaching where I started my own business with Dream Chasers uh, with the motto, Find a Dream and Chase It Down. And I had such a great business going with awesome, wonderful people, helping them find dreams and chasing them down, as you do yourself. And we um, September 11th happened. And it was really devastating, of course, for us, as it was for everybody in the world. And it made us think about life a little bit more at that time of, wow, it could be, that's how quick it can be taken. And we did lose a lot of people in our community and people, you know, that were known. And it was a really, really sad time for where we lived. A lot of my clients worked on Wall Street. So at that time, my husband ended up working uh, the cleanup of 9-11. And as it was going on and as we were going through all of this, we decided that we knew Jackson Hole, Wyoming was where we wanted to retire one day. And we decided that before Christmas, we packed up our life, gave up our business, sold our house, and with our 
truck showed up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on Christmas Eve, and this is where we live and where we're raising our children because it's where we wanted to retire. So we decided not to wait until we retired to make this dream happen, that we took a chance and a risk to start it much sooner, and we have never turned back and couldn't be more grateful that we made that choice. It was the right choice. What, what's the lifestyle where you live? What's it like for people who aren't from that part of the country or just might not understand? We have, well, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is the Grand Tetons, and it is the most incredible mountain range. Uh, it's just full of spiritual love and energy, and the, the energy is vibrating. That's the best way I could describe where we are. The, the most incredible opportunities with school, public schools are terrific. Our kids are thriving. They, they go to, you know, ice climbing during school for winter sports or snowboarding. They're out cross-country skiing. Yesterday, I went to my daughter's fifth-grade classroom, and to start the day, they were doing a three-mile hike or trail run. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I posted on my Facebook page, where else in America are kids doing this? And, you know, hopefully there's lots of other places, but it, it's sort of just embracing the great outdoors. We're 25 miles from the from Yellowstone National Park. We get to go whitewater rafting, horseback riding. There's just it's all about being outside um, where we live here and embracing the outdoors. How long have you guys been up there? Since oh, September well, 11th, I guess, huh? Yes, since September 11th. That's when we how long we've been here. Wow. So, have you how how has your perception of the outdoors changed since you guys have lived there since? Uh, uh, the New Jersey Times and the Midwest Times? My perception of the outdoors hasn't changed. I, I've always been the type of person who sort of yearned for the mountains. I didn't grow up in the mountains. I love the mountains and I love water. We have both here. But I feel like the mountains are sort of what brings me a lot of energy. I get a lot of energy and I, I feel so much more enthusiastic in, um, in the mountains for some reason. So... Being outside is something we try to do daily unless there's a really rainy, stormy day where it's like, ah, it's raining. We can get things done now. <laughs> you know, things done that you have to catch up in life because you, when you live here, you really would rather be outside than be inside. No, that's – I totally relate to that. We're about to have a huge storm here in Colorado, and uh, I'm planning on getting a lot of stuff done. Of course, that means my kids have to be in the house too. But anyway, so uh, – all right, so tell me um, – um. Tell me what your perfect day in Jackson Hole, Wyoming would look like from when you wake up until when you go to bed. What does that look like for you? A perfect day for me is I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and that's when I start working on the computer training my students. That's Monday through Friday, training my students and working on all the stuff I have on the computer until 6.45 in the morning. Then I start to pack um, my kids' lunches for school. My husband and I do that together. We get our 10-year-old up for school. We make breakfast. We, and then she gets walked to the school bus. We eat breakfast with both of our girls. My husband walks her to the school bus, or I walk her to the bus. We come back, and then the 13-year-old gets up an hour later. They're, the older kids get an hour more sleep. And then we go through that same routine with our 13-year-old, uh, but she gets driven to school. So drop her off at 9 o'clock. And then for me, I either start um, training 
for like three or four hours at that time, myself physically, or I'm doing massages or coaching or teaching fitness classes. And then they, my kids are done with school at three o'clock or four o'clock. They take the bus home. We're always there when they come home. We, they go to ice hockey practice, swim team, lacrosse. We take them to practice. We do whatever it takes to, you know, be involved in their life. And we eat dinner together. We do homework together. They go to bed at night. I go back to work and we start it all over again. Nice. What time so, do you get to, what time do you get to bed for a four o'clock wake up? You know, my goal is 10 o'clock. I definitely don't get enough sleep, but that's the one thing you, you sacrifice if you want to try to do all the things that I'm, I love to do. And I seem to be okay with less sleep. Um, on the weekends, I definitely, when I get up at four o'clock in the morning, I go train and try to be home. I always say like a marathon by breakfast. I try to be home by the time my kids are up and ready to have breakfast. Some days it doesn't work that way, but either myself or my husband is home um, when it's time for breakfast. Awesome. So it's, you know, it, it's always a fine balance that we all, you know, there's not anybody listening or you. It's it's a daily balance where you might have the greatest plan laid out for your day, but when you're a parent, you know, you drop it all for your kids. Yep. That's what you do. So it's crazy how much we have in common, minus the, the distances that you're covering with your two legs, uh, as far as <laughs> ra race directing and coaching and all these things. And what we're going to do now? Yeah, we're but I'm a lot older than you, so you have a lot of years in you that uh, you haven't covered yet. That's a good point. I have I have some potential here. You know, I I started my life with all the power sports: baseball, basketball, football. I never ran more than three or four miles at one time until I was 25 years old. So. I have, uh, I might have fresher legs, so maybe I can get up to some of these distances one of these days. <laughs> well, of course you can. But I, I think what you're doing is so inspiring. And, you know, people are listening right now. They have no idea uh, who you are as an athlete. And we're about to dive into that piece. Um, you guys go check out runthenation.org if you just want to get some background on, on, on Lisa and this, this uh, crazy adventure she's about to go on here very shortly. Um, and let's just talk about your running. Let's talk about uh, yourself as an athlete. Uh, when it kind of started, you you mentioned that you didn't make the cross country and track team when you're in high school. But where did your running really come in, and when did when did you really start to flourish as an athlete? Well, I started to flourish as an athlete my last year of college. I actually ran a 5K turkey trot race on our campus uh, by mistake because my roommate said, "Come run with me, come run with me," and I'm like, "No, I'm no good. I'm not. I'm not a good runner. I'm no good. I'm no good." Needs to say, long story short, I ended up running the 5K turkey trot race, and I won the, the race. And I realized I won a 20-pound turkey. I went home for Thanksgiving with that 20-pound turkey. I had it hanging in my hand, and I said, Mom, guess what? I am not that slow. I can run. And that kind of started my running career. <laughs> I ended up running uh, one season of college, um, and I ran the 10K on the track. And I ran pretty well. I did 36 minutes. <clears throat> and right after college, I just went crazy with running. I realized, like, my God, I am good at this. I love it. I'm, you know, it, it gave me every opportunity to run being mad or run away from whatever was bothering you. And then I was running, running to win. I always wanted to win. And I did win. And 
But none of that, Scott, ever made me happy, which is might sound crazy to you. Winning never made me happy. And then I met my very good friend, Sister Mary Beth Lloyd, about 28 years ago, who is um, a nun, also my godmother, and she's a runner. And I got, I took a cross-country coaching job in New Jersey. I coached Mendham High School and Villa Wash Academy, cross-country and track. And Sister Mary Beth one day said to me, you know, why don't you put all of that talent and all of that energy into helping me? And we can raise some money, and you can run and raise money. And I thought, like, what? What am I going to do? How am I going to do that? Um, and here we are, 28 years later, we've raised several million dollars for, you know, AIDS orphans, for clean water projects. We've built water wells. We've built schools in, you know, Eritrea, Africa, India, Brazil. And once I turned what I was doing, using this passion I had to run, into a great purpose, helping others, it, I was extremely happy. And I found what made me happy, helping other people, which I do. Coaching, you know, teaching is about helping people achieve their dreams and goals, like you do. And I haven't stopped doing that. It's, uh, it, it gives me great joy to help other people, um, as it also helps, you know, them. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being in in the the same industries, um, you know, every human's got a selfish streak, and and running for for a lot of it, maybe the reason you weren't getting so much joy out of it was because it just, you know, when you're only helping yourself, it's it, maybe it's just not enough sometimes. And just reminding yourself, like, to do this in the spirit of service, and maybe this is good for people out there too. Um, no matter what you're doing, like, if you just remember to serve other people, it's so much more rewarding. I I think personally. Um, well, you know, it is. It, there's, there, it really is. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with winning. My gosh, it's great to want to win. I encourage people to try to win if that's important. But there there does come a time where you're not going to win anymore or you're not going to be the best anymore. And, and that's okay. Um, you got to be happy. Being happy, living a fulfilled life, you know, and at the end of the day, what's it really about? Or what's at the end of our life? It's really about love how you loved, how you gave, and what you did. It's never going to be about how many medals I have around my neck. I mean, it just isn't. So um, that's what I love to do the most. I like to run, use my purpose, my passion of running for a purpose. And my next big run is for another great cause. And it's um, it's really exciting. For me, it, does, it, it is a crazy, it's a crazy dream. But why not dream big? You know, who are we to not dream big and to give it our absolute, as my 13-year-old will tell you, Mommy, you just get out there and give it your perfect effort. That's it. Give it your perfect effort, and that's all you can do every day. Yep, for sure. And you guys, go check out Run the Nation. Let, let's talk about this this dream, this project. Uh, you know, what is it benefiting? Why? Where did the idea come uh, to you, and tell us a little bit of logistics. I think the logistics are crazy for something like this. You know what? It is. I actually just did a blog post about uh, this whole process of planning this whole, I, I call them journeys. It's a journey. You know, everything's a journey of self-discovery. And it really started to come to me in 2010. I did 50 miles in all 50 states in 62 days. And I still believe that I'm the only person who's ever done that. And 
I've really started to enjoy doing things that I call journeys of, that nobody else has ever done. Like I ran from um, LA, from Las Vegas to the summit of Mount Whitney, 306 miles. Nobody's ever done that. You know, nobody's ever done 50 miles in all 50 states. Or I'm the first woman to ever do the bad water quad. Things, things that nobody else has ever done, but using them to raise, uh, you know, money for certain causes. The next one, I will be raising money for the Tyler Robinson Foundation, which is with the Imagine Dragons Band. And who doesn't know the Imagine Dragons Band? It's got my favorite song, I'm on top of the world. Hey. Um, <laughs> and the Tyler Robinson Foundation helps children with pediatric cancer. And it, it's a remarkable organization that helps families who literally need financial help. Nobody sees what goes on behind closed doors with a child who has cancer, let alone any illness for that matter. There's so many unforeseen costs that you can't even imagine seeing. I have three friends who's got that have children who have cancer, and it's unbelievable to see what goes on in their life. And the Tyler Robinson Foundation grants money to help families that need financial help, and all the money goes directly to them. So it's uh, it's so fitting for me because I love to work directly with people and directly with families and know where the money is going. Yeah. So how does it work? So the run is for the awareness, right? You're doing this, you can get press from it, and then people know that Tyler Robinson Foundation is something, and then they can donate. Is that how it works, or no? You can, you know, we I encourage everybody to donate. Can you imagine if one million people hear about this run and they all donated one dollar? Scott, I mean, imagine that's a million dollars. I mean, you you have to believe the power of like you don't have to donate big. But donate something. Donate something to something that you believe in with all your heart and know that it's going to help somebody else. It feels really good to help. And, I, you know, I believe that everybody has a dollar that they could give. And if you don't have a dollar, you can do something to help. You can share it on your Facebook page. There are ways to help that don't necessarily mean money. We will raise money. We are already raising money. There's been a lot of money already raised, and I haven't even started running yet. Because people love to help. And when they know where their money is going and they know that it's doing something good to help other people, it's a tax write-off. It's a 5013C. It's perfectly legitimate. It, it makes you feel good to give and to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, you, tell me about the run. Where, where are you starting? Where are you ending? How far are you trying to go every day? Like just some of the basic stuff. Next Sunday, April 24th, at 6.12 a.m., we chose 6.12 a.m. because that's sunrise, Santa Monica Pier, L.A., California, from L.A. to New York City. Um, my goal is to run and try to be one of the fastest people who's ever run across the United States, which would be 46 days, 8 hours is the record. So I have to beat that by one second. Um, you know, I'm going to give it my perfect effort. I believe I can do it. I've trained harder for this than anything ever in my life. And for some reason, I really feel that I am made to do this. And and why not dream big? And I always tell people, why not me? Why couldn't I break the record? Yeah, well, you're a 55-year-old woman. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter if 
doesn't matter if I'm a 35-year-old woman or 55-year-old woman. Um, I feel that I'm capable of doing it and that my experience leads me to believe that I can do it. And I have a crew, a team of people who believe the same. And so we're going to give it our perfect effort, give it our absolute best to go from L.A. to New York City and finish in 46 days and get one of the fastest crossings, which would be the Guinness Book of World Records. At the end of the day, if if we don't get that, of course we'll finish. Of course we'll keep going on. But what I do know, Scott, is that for every child that we're running for that has cancer, that is the real endurance right there. Yeah. What I'm what I'm doing is what I'm doing is something I love to do. I love to do. It'll be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It'll be painful. It'll be tough. I'll be sleep deprived. But when I think of a kid or anybody struggling and dealing with cancer every day, see, I get choked up, makes me about cry. That 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 takes a lot of endurance. Like that is really tough, tough stuff. I've met some kids who two, three years they've been dealing with this cancer. Yeah, no, my, I mean, there's, my there's, dad's a cancer survivor. You know, I, that's how yeah, you, my mom too. That's how you. Times. That's how you dig down, though. You you imagine what people are going through and then try to and then try to feel it a little bit and i think by doing that you are honoring them in, in a lot of in a lot of ways um my dad's you know what the yeah. same the same thing like when i go and do do hard things like my dad is going through dialysis every other day right now my mom's administering like you think of these people that are going through cancer they're going through dialysis and, and things that um nobody really deserves and you want to honor them by by feeling it a little bit and by drawing attention to it that's really cool yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that gives me great joy. And it gives me great joy. It gives them hope, and it, it, it helps. And like I say, it's a win-win situation. You know, this there is a lot of this that is for me because it does bring me joy. And we all have ego, that's for sure. I would have never come up with this idea if I didn't have some ego, but I feel like it's a healthy ego. And healthy healthy egos is is a good thing to have because that's where your dreams happen and that's where you can keep dreaming big. All right, so this is fun, um, Lisa. Awesome cause, but I'm at the site, runthenation.org. Go to the Run tab and there's a little uh, drop-down that says Course. You can see the course that she's going to run. You can see the little cities that she's going through and um, probably smart, <laughs> smartly, is that word? She's not going through Colorado this time of year, so good job. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the fun part is below. You have these. You have these little facts, and so you have thirty-one hundred total miles, which I just drove three thousand miles with a five and a two-year-old last week, and wow, that's a long way. Uh, Sixty-eight average miles per day. Is that the goal? Well, the goal. I'm not going to tell you how many miles I'm going to run a day, but it's going to be. You know, I'm going to start with lower miles and build up and build up and build up. The team. We have a plan. Um, and we'll take it one step at a time. I have a great plan to work, work it each day, um, you know, to the fullest. Cool. And I plan to do like three separate runs a day, run, take a break, run, take a break, run, take a break. I won't be running, um, straight through, Okay. you know, all day, but you know, on that link too, if you click on it, we welcome people to come out, run with us, be with us, cheer with us. You know, you can offer to help. You can there's John Wallace, who's on my team, 
incredible. He did the routes. He's come up with the links to say, hey, you, people are saying, how can I help? How can I help? Well, you can go onto that link and let us know how you want to help. Cool. And um, we would love to see to see you. No, that's awesome. Awesome stuff. Okay, runthenation.org. Um, is there anything else about this project that, that we've missed in, in passing? Are there any people specifically with uh, TRF that you'd like to, to speak to or mention or tell an interesting story about? Well, I'd like to mention um, Jimmy Place, who I went to high school with. I've known him for 45 years, who introduced me to the Tyler Robinson Foundation. And Jimmy has a company called 1212 Group with uh, Ryan McGuire. And I feel so fortunate that they introduced me to the Tyler Robinson Foundation. And just this last, you know, three days ago, I was in Chicago where I got to be on a live TV show called Winnie City Live. And Jesse Robinson, Tyler's brother, came there to meet me and to be with me. And, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of talk. Tyler Robinson was 16 years old, and he's only been gone three years. He passed away three years ago at 16 years old. And so this this foundation with the Imagine Dragons is really new, upcoming, and growing. And I really believe in, in the growth of new foundations that are helping children and that there's something really cool about being on something that is new and growing um, and that hasn't been around forever. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was quite quite an honor to meet uh, Jesse Robinson and have him there and my friend Jimmy Place with the 1212 group to, you know, to put all this together. And, uh, you know, they believe in what I'm doing and I believe in what they're doing, and that's a great team when you have people who believe in each other. And when you're out, when you're raising money and doing things for a great cause, you know, it is important to really have heart and believe in what it is you're raising money for and hook up with an organization that believes in what you're doing because you just feel so much better about it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just really quickly, tell me about your training for this. Like, what was your... What is your philosophy on training for something this big? I'm assuming I'm just going to make an assumption that, that you're going to train your, you're, you're going to let your body kind of get trained on on the way for part of it, so you're not putting in too many miles before. But what what was your philosophy on it? Well, my biggest week was 270 miles, which is a big week um, for for this because it is more miles. But I did a lot of cross country skiing, snowshoeing, lifting weights three days a week. I did a lot of cross training. I pull tires, which I I love because they train racehorses pulling tires, and I've been doing that since I was in high school. I hike with a heavy backpack that's about 40 to 45 pounds to make my legs stronger. And um, I feel that the training that I've done has really worked. It's I haven't been able to say this is the training schedule I want to follow, you know, because I am a busy mother and I do work full-time. So you make a plan, you hope for the best, you do the best you can, and at the end of the day, when I go to bed, I can say I did all I could. You know, I did all I could. I'm tapering now. It's very hard. <laughs> um, Grant Mon, who is one of the best ultra runners in the world, best endurance athletes now at you know, almost be 52, he's actually here in Jackson Hole staying with us right now. Um, he's a good friend, and I've coached him for several races. If you don't know about Grant Mon, you should look him up. He's been at Badwater. He's been twice. Uh, been second twice. He's 
He's done amazing things, and he's only been running for three years. He started at 49 years old. So never too late to start doing this and never too late to rise to the top. Cool. Um, he has been here the last two weeks to really push me uh, super hard for 10 days, and now I'm tapering down, and it's really hard to taper. Like, I feel like sea biscuit ready. I'm kicking, you know, to get out <laughs> of the stable. Let me go. Let me go. And today's a day off, and I tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy to taper. And if I was my own, you know, listening to what I tell my own students is like, just relax, you know, taper's good. It's hard. <laughs> it's very hard to do. Well, you're as fit as as you should be. I mean, you're the fittest that you've been when you're doing a legitimate taper, a legitimate physiological taper. You're as fit as you've been in X amount of months, six months, whatever. So you feel like you need to be running the whole time, you know. So doing doing a good taper. We just went over that with some of uh, the ultra runners and becoming ultra. It's just it's really tough to do a good taper for a lot of people, for sure. Um, it oh, is tough, and you know you got to trust it. You you, you want to trust? Is it, have I done enough? You always ask yourself, Have I done enough? The answer is yes, you have. Yep. Yes, you have because you you can't go change that. You know, this is kind of just a quick side, uh, side note, and then we're going to do some some quick hitters at the end here. Um, your your philosophy on weight training for ultra runners? Um, I believe in weight training. I truly believe that what I do is called functional core training. Um, I love to feel strong, and when I say being strong, I mean I work like the attachments. I work inner thighs, IT bands, and you know, all of the areas where you might feel some, some weakness. Running is a sport where, or cycling is a sport, and swimming, unless you're doing breaststroke, we're working the front and back of our legs all the time, front and back, front and back. So you need to work the attachments in order to stay super strong to, you know, not get knee injuries or hip injuries or ankle injuries. So I do that three days a week. I've been doing it for years. Um, and I will continue to do it as long as I'm running. Awesome. And and without getting into the details of the strength, you know, running is such a, a redundant sport. It's just I, I love hearing ultra runners and, and just runners in general that that uh, give a good a good kudos to strength training because it's really important. You know, you you love this you love the sport. You love the act of running, getting in beautiful places, and uh, everybody. Um, kind of falls away from things they should be doing every once in a while, but it's just going to make your running better and, and way more of a durable athlete out of everything. Uh, okay, let's get into some quick hitters. So I like to ask our guests, uh, we call it Fitness on Fire, I like to ask them for a challenge. It can be mental, it can be physical, but something that, that's tangible that someone can go and try, that our listeners can go and try. Do you have something for, for our listeners? Something tangible that they could go and try. Well, one of my favorite workouts is going to the high school track and running up and down the stairs, but not, you know, always going up and down forward, but going sideways and, you know, doing jumps up the stairs, you know, squat jumps or frog jumps, whatever you want to call them, and going up one step, then two steps, then three steps, and coming down that way too, go down, go down one step, then step it to two steps or step it to three steps, because it really helps work with fast feet. It helps with um, taking bigger strides. It works your glutes really well. Um, and if, you know, a lot of people don't think that running stairs is that great of a workout, but it is. It's fast, it's efficient, and um, it's something that you can do almost anywhere. If you're in a hotel or if you're 
by the beach, you're always going to find stairs somewhere. So I always tell people, God, if you if you only have 15 minutes or 20 minutes, go run stairs. Awesome. Okay, what is a good quote or mantra that, that you really like to fall back on? My quote or mantra, find a dream, chase it down, that's for sure. Love find it. a dream and chase it down, literally. And one more that I love by uh, Helen Keller, alone we can do so much, together we can. Alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. You know, awesome. I can't do what I do alone. I've got to have a great family support system. I have to have people who believe and love in me, love me. And I also can't raise a million dollars without help. You know, they're not going to cure cancer without help. We've got to start helping each other a little bit more. What What is the best book for runners that you've ever read? The best book for runners that I've ever read. Wow. You know, I'll tell you, right now I'm loving my next-door neighbor, whose book is just out, Cool Impossible. Um, I think it's a terrific book. I'd love to give him a plug, Eric, Coach Eric Orton. Uh, his book is terrific. And in particular, I'm stuck on Chapter 3. I've been doing all of the foot exercises that he recommends. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so much stronger. And nice. I will do those foot exercises every morning when I get up before I start running um, across the United States. So The Cool Impossible is a really great book. Nice. And that's Eric Orton, correct? Yes, Eric Orton. Awesome. So you mentioned how important it is to be happy, and we're going to go on two sides of the spectrum. So what are three things that you would tell people to do every day if they want to be happy? You know what? When you wake up every day, this is what I do. Wake up, put your legs at the end of the bed, sit there for a minute, take a few deep breaths, you know, and be grateful that you woke up and that you're opening your eyes. And, you know, for me, I say, you know, God, whatever you have for me today, bring it on. You know, you don't have to believe in God, whatever your beliefs are, but, you know, give yourself the power to bring it on. Whatever happened the day before, you can't change it. You can't change what happened five minutes ago. So bring it on. Bring on the day. Start over. It's a new It's a new beginning. Okay, so that's one thing. And <laughs> another thing is, is, you know, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You know, spend five minutes with your eyes closed meditating. Uh, using visualization and, you know, when, when something starts bothering you, take take a, take a, a step back and okay. always come back to, you know, come back to gratitude. Come back to gratitude. Love it. All right. And on the other, on, the, back fl to on the flip side, I, I know you've publicly mentioned depression um, as an issue that you've dealt with. What would you say to someone that thinks uh, they might, they may be depressed or someone that knows someone that's depressed? Like, Clinically, like how, how can people help each other when it comes to, to, to depression in general? I think you, you know, if you know of somebody who's depressed or and won't talk about it or if you're feeling depressed, it is okay to talk about it. Unfortunately, it's a pretty, pretty bad stigma. Um, when I got diagnosed with clinical depression, it was, you know, like me, depressed. You know, I'm not a, that's not the person that I am. Um, but depression is an illness. It's an illness like any other illness, and it should be treated. And if it needs to be treated, you should speak, seeing a doctor, you know, see a therapist, talk to somebody about it, and, and know that you're so not alone. You're not alone in that you should never feel that you can't find somebody to talk to about it. And 
if you see somebody who's struggling, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm here for you. Or, you know, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's go for a walk. Whatever it takes, but don't just sit back and say to yourself, oh, I think they're depressed and not do anything about it. Yeah. From a a physiological standpoint, um, Lisa, how does running help with you in, in managing the clinical depression? You know, it, it doesn't cure no. my clinical depression, but I can tell you it absolutely helps. And over the years, I've just become more mindful, more peaceful, more knowledgeable about, you know, what is depression? What happens when it starts coming on? How does it feel? What can you do to try to, to change the situation that you're in? There's a lot of mindfulness that goes on with, um, you know, being depressed and trying to work through it and deal with it. Um, and knowing that it's okay to talk about it and that you're not alone. Awesome. Okay, we have three questions. The next one is, what is one thing uh, that every parent should teach their children today? Happy. Yep. Happy. Everybody should teach their kids that to be independent, to be happy, and to strive for you know whatever it is they're dreaming. You know, my, my, my kid says to me, Mom, all I care is that you get out there and give it your perfect effort. You know, teach your kids that and help them. Help them know that, you know, their dreams are important and that, you know, Mom and Dad have dreams too. Mom and Dad have dreams. Mom and Dad's dreams are just as important and that they know that that's, you're going to be there for them as well. Yeah. Isn't it important to model chasing your dreams as a parent because they see you going for these big things and then they know that they can they can go for big things too? It's it's okay. I think my kids totally get it. They're 100% on board. We we're a team. We are a team. They're part of my team. I'm part of their team. They know that I've got their back. They've got my back. I would do anything for my kids. I'd jump in front of a train for them if I had to. And and they know that. And I think that we ha- we can instill that in our children and teach them that, you know, it's okay if mom and dad are off on a dream of their own. Um, but that doesn't mean that mom and dad don't love you, don't care about you, because they know that they're a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, if I'm going to Jackson, Jackson Hole this summer, <laughs> what is one- I hope so. <laughs> what is one trail that I absolutely have to go run? The Teton Crest Trail. Teton Crest Trail, we called it the up and over the Tetons. It's 22 miles. What's the gain on that, uh, un- Unbelievable. Oh, boy. I guess I don't have the answer to that, but best time to come do it would be July, August, September. You could come run our Jackson Hole Marathon September 3rd and then do the T- Teton Crest, but that's the next day. Yes, that's, Lisa, that's such a good segue because I, I, I'm, I'm a race director down here in Colorado. You're a race director up there. Tell us about your, your race company. Tell us about a few of the events um, just so we can give people a chance to sign up and have a reason to go to Wyoming in this beautiful country. <laughs> well, yeah, you can come anytime, you know, besides doing your race. And we have put on several races, but this summer – because I'm doing this run across the United States, run the nation, we are only involved with one race this summer, and that's the Jackson Hole uh, Marathon. We have a half, a full, and a marathon relay on September 3rd. Um, it's real, it's, Runners World considered it one of the most beautiful courses in the world, believe it or not. 
It's, uh, yeah, it's all bike path. It, it is, you know, it's not road, but it's bike path. It's stunningly beautiful. Uh, it's not a fast course. It's a beautiful course. It's, uh, you're not going to have a personal best. You know, if you run a 258, you aren't going to run a 257. You <laughs> might run a, you might run a three, a three hour, you know, being honest with you. Um, it's just, it's a point to point. It's such a beautiful race. We've chosen September 3rd because that's the holiday weekend. It's on a Saturday and people come in and then they stay the whole weekend. They have Sunday and Monday. Um, so it works out really well. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, okay. What can people find information about that race? They can go to the Jackson Hole Marathon.com. Awesome. Well, Lisa, we've covered tons of stuff. I, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to you. Every time I get off of one of these calls, I, I just tell people, you know, I'd love to talk to you for hours and hours. And uh, after you get done with, with running the nation and just pushing yourself, I'd love to have you on again. So thank you so much for coming on today. Well, I'm so grateful you asked me to talk, and thank you. And I hope anyone listening is out there just chasing their dreams. Get going. Awesome. Everybody else, go check out runthenation.org. She's about to start on April 24th from Santa Monica, all the way to New York. Craziness. It's really cool. She's coming through your town. Shoot shoot an email or or try to run and pace her a little bit. It's probably great to have company out there. Uh, Go check out Athlete on Fire. We have a lot of great stories we're telling, uh, stories like this. Uh, We have stories very similar to this actually on becomingultra.com as well. So thank you guys so much. I hope that we bridge the gap just a little bit more today. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.